Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Today's message was preached live at our Harrisonburg campus and played via video at our East Rock campus. Hello, I'm Robin, and this is the Two-Headed Monster. Hello! And we're here to tell you all about the word conflict. Conflict! Right, conflict. You guys ready to show conflict? Ready! Okay, here we go. The Two-Headed Monster showing us conflict. I'm not sure you understand. We need to show everyone conflict. Conflict! Right, but I'm afraid that wasn't conflict. No, no conflict. conflict. No, you see, a conflict is when two people fight or disagree about something, and they, they, they have a conflict. Oh, conflict! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. We're ready to try again. Okay, here we go. The two-headed monster is now going to show us conflict. Take two. One of them has a flower he says is his. That's a promising start. Looks like the other one wants the same flower. This could be some conflict. Oh, Look, that was very nice. That was lovely, actually. You were sharing, and that warms the cockles of my heart. But listen, my fuzzy two-headed friend, that was not conflict. No conflict. No conflict. I'm just sorry, it wasn't. Disagree, we're arguing about something. So? We're having a conflict. Conflict? Conflict! Conflict, all right. And with that, our kids are dismissed for Kids City and Tiny Down. What could be a better transition between Kids City, Tiny Town, and our message? We love you, kids. Thanks for worshiping and uh, learning about conflict. Hey, the truth is, uh, grown-ups, students, young people, we don't really need a lesson in conflict, do we? Um, we see it everywhere. In fact, in fact, if you were to describe the world in which we're living, I think you could say, it's safe to say, we're living in a world in conflict, <laughs> everywhere all around us. Um, and it's not just, you know, what's, what's happening in our world wars, disruption around the world, that's true. Uh, there's cultural, racial conflict, that's true. At least one place we don't have to worry about conflict 
is our American political system, right? There's no conflict there. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's palpable. I don't have to teach you about conflict today. You're living in it. You're seeing it everywhere. In fact, um, I, I would admit that in my life, I feel like I'm on conflict overload. There's a few times this week I just kind of go into this default mode where it's like, I can't handle any more conflict. And so today it might surprise you as we kick off a series talking about relationships that I want to propose to you today that conflict is necessary. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true. We actually, in God-honoring healthy relationships, have to learn to embrace conflict. We're, we're uh, starting a new journey today. So if you're new or visiting or if you're showing up for the first time in a few weeks, you picked a great day to show up. Uh, if you're joining us online, maybe for the first time you picked a great week to join in because today we, we're starting a journey calling it Healing, Healing Fractured Relationships. That's our series. And we're seeking the Lord's wisdom and guidance in relationships, all relationships. Why? Because all relationships matter to him. Listen, this isn't a series on marriage. But there's principles in this series we're going to talk about that I think will help your marriage. This isn't a series on parenting, although I think there's principles here that will help those of us in the room that are parents. Actually, let's say this differently. This is a series for marriages and parents and families and so many others. Listen, whoever the people are in your life that matter most to you, that's who this series is for That's who this series is for. Relationships matter. And I know that they matter to you. And the reason that I know this is because anytime we talk about a subject like this, I hear from you. I hear from you often about how much you need this, how much it's helping you, how much you need godly wisdom. When you share in your life groups, when you share prayer requests with us as pastors and staff, so many times it's centered around the idea of relationships, right? Relationships are something that matters deeply to us, but it's also something that we are experiencing difficulty and challenge in. So listen, I'm not a counselor. Everybody in the room knows that. So my heart is not to approach this as a counselor, but over these next few weeks, we're going to seek godly wisdom. The good news for us is God's word has wisdom, has discernment for us, tools for us to help us in our relationship. And my guess is everyone in this room has at least one relationship that's hurting. This is really the question that we're going to be asking. First and foremost, Lord, what do you have to say about the people who matter most to me? So I don't know who that is in your life. It is different for every person here, right? Every person would define that circle uh, differently. For those of us that are married, those of us that have kids, those of us work in, whatever that looks like, your circle of people that matter most to you, God, what do you have to say? What do you have to say to me about them? Let's be even more specific in this series. Lord, what do you have to say about the people in my life that are hurting the most? Again, I don't know who that is in your life, but I'm confident today, each of us, there's someone in our life that's hurting. There's someone in our life that's that's broken. There's someone in our life. They need some help. They need some hope. God, God, what do you have to say to them? One more question. This may be the most difficult for us. Lord, what do you have to say about the people in my life who have hurt me the most? I'm guessing it doesn't take long for you to identify who that person is. That's painful to think about, but we believe God's word has instruction for us, wisdom for us, insight for us, help for us to those who are hurting in our lives, and yes, even those who have hurt us. And so each week we're going to be looking at a specific tool from God's word to help us 
throughout this journey. Uh, again, each of us has at least one relationship that's hurting. Each of us has someone who has hurt us. And listen, maybe so far, if you still don't think a series like this is for you, I promise at some point in your life, maybe soon, you're going to need, you're going to need this series on healing fractured relationships. So I began with this idea of, of conflict, and I want to come back to that, this idea that we need conflict. Listen, I hate conflict. I do. I do. It makes me uncomfortable. I just want everybody to get along. I've said this before when we play games as a family. I'm the person around the table. I just want everybody to win. I want everybody to be happy, right? Because I hate conflict. My tendency is to run from conflict, right? But it's true in our relationships. We actually need it. Healthy conflict. In fact, I, I don't think I have to prove it to you. If you think about the closest relationships in your life, if you think about the circle of people who matter most to you, that circle is not representing people that you have run from conflict, right? Those circle of people aren't people where you have avoided conflict at all costs, right? More than likely, that group of people, those people that matter most to you, you've had to embrace, you've had to get through some things. You've had to go through some battles together. And on the other side of that conflict, there's intimacy, there's relationship, there's growth, and so it's proof that we actually need conflict. I was thinking about my dad this week. And growing up, uh, I had a lot to learn about conflict because I hated it. And, and I was even worse then than I am now. But I really struggled to know how to conflict with my dad. Me and my dad are so different. I love my dad. If he's listening today, he knows that. He knows I love him. I'm not saying anything about him now that I wouldn't say to him on the phone this week. Uh, but, but we are different. And growing up, my dad was just the kind of person that, that he would just conflict like this. Like out, if he had a thought, he's going to say it. If he wants to deal with something, he's going to deal with it. And I was the total opposite, probably a little bit more like my mom. In fact, he would tell stories of him having to say something to me and him just seeing my shoulders go like this. Right, Because I would just shut down, withdraw. Uh, in the face of conflict right then and there, I would shriek back, uh, shut down, give up, sulk, pout, stuff my feelings. None of that stuff is good, right? And I've, I've had to learn in my life, specifically with my dad, how to conflict with him. I'm never, I'm never going to approach it totally like he does. He's never going to approach it totally like me. But, but I love my dad, and, and, and he matters in my life. And so I've had to learn, how do I, how do I conflict well with him, that's just one example. Listen, I say that to tell you, I promise you today, I need this. <laughs> what we're talking about today, I have not arrived. I am not an expert. I need this, and so I'm grateful for the truth that we find. We're gonna be in Philippians 2 today. Anytime we're talking about relationships, at least at some point, we have to stop in Philippians 2, I think, because it's just a foundational text, a foundational place in God's word for us to go to. And so as we begin this journey today, I want us to start here in Philippians 2. Uh, Paul is writing. He's in jail. He's in prison. Uh, we did an extended study in Philippians last summer. You're welcome to go back and listen and, and watch. Um, but today we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And he's writing to a group of people he loves. He has relationship with these people, a church in Philippi, and he's going to write to them about relationships. Let's look at verse 1. Uh, it's on the screen behind me. It's also in our YouVersion Bible app, uh, an event that we've set up there today. It says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that make my joy complete, Paul says, by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. 
Again, Paul's writing to a group of people he cares about, and, and maybe you can't see it, maybe you can't feel it, but there's passion behind what he's saying. And the reason is just look at what he's saying. If you have any, if any, if any, you can tell there's this deep passion that he's trying to communicate to people that he loves. And what is his charge? Be like-minded. Come together. Yes, you're going to be different. But come together in unity in Christ through his spirit. And yes, in a Christ-like mindset. We'll come back to that idea in a minute. Let's keep reading verse 3. Do nothing, Paul says, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Immediately, Paul addresses selfishness. There's no room for that in the body of Christ and certainly within God-honoring relationships. In fact, I believe you could say this. According to God's word, selfishness is a poison to godly relationships. Selfishness is toxic. It's a poison to godly relationships. Let's look at this phrase together, uh, this idea in verse 3, humility. I have it underlined there on the screen. There's a big, long Greek word, and I can pronounce it and try to impress you today. I won't do that. But, but in the Greek, this idea of humility, Paul is really speaking about humility of mind, a, a humbleness of mind, having a humble opinion of one's self. I like that. I like that idea. I, I've heard it said that humility isn't thinking less of oneself. Sometimes that's what we think. Humility means I just, oh, I'm terrible. I'm lousy. I'm not. That's not it. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying that we think less of oneself, but he is saying we think about ourselves less. <laughs> do you see the difference? It's not that we knock ourselves out, oh, I'm a dummy. I can't do anything. No, that's not humility. But humility is counteracting this me first life that we've been talking about in recent weeks. Jesus came to teach us that living me, 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 me all the time is a way that ultimately leads to death and destruction in our lives. Uh, just last week we talked about laying it down, laying our lives down by not trying to hold so tightly to me, 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 my, 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 right? And so Jesus came to teach us there's a better way to live. There's a, a, a way I'm filled with joy and peace that comes from not living a me first life. And Paul, again, is teaching us about this idea of humility in our relationships, where we don't come into every relationship thinking about what's in it for me, what do I need, right? But instead, we put others' needs before our own. It's so critical to understand. Let's keep going in, in verse five. In your relationships with one another. If you didn't think this was about relationships, right? Paul explicitly says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We shouldn't miss the obvious here. Jesus is the example. He's the standard. His humility, his attitude, his mindset, his cross. Now listen to the description in the rest of the passage. Who, Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There's that word again, right? And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So let's unpack a little bit today of what this means for our relationships. Uh, we're talking about relationships today, again, that are hurting uh, and particularly how we navigate conflict. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. I've said that we actually need it. So, so how, according to God's word, 
Do we navigate conflict, specifically in these relationships that matter most to us? So I brought some visuals today to help. Uh, I think there's two ways. I don't think either of them are biblical, but two ways that most of us in here are default to respond to conflict. And so I've got some visuals here. Uh, bear with me for a minute while I grab one of them. Um, the first is this, and I've kind of already talked about this. Um, these are some childhood illustrations for us, right? The first, I, I want this to symbolize uh, what we do in response to conflict is that we avoid conflict, right? This kind of symbolizes what, what do you do on a, a job site? You want to get in, you want to get out, nobody gets hurt, everybody survives. Let's tack how many days has everybody survived without anybody getting hurt? That's our philosophy sometimes when it comes to conflict. We want to avoid and listen, I know all about this because it's how I've lived most of my life. It's still, without the help of the Holy Spirit in my life, this is my default. This is what I will do each and every time. I'll resort to this. Conflict comes, I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to change the subject. I'm, I'm going to avoid the hard things. I'm going to ignore the problems and hope they go away. I'm going to pretend like it's all good. It's like whistling past the graveyard, right? And there's several reasons why this approach is toxic. The first is, the lie we tell ourselves is, if we avoid it, it'll get better. And I see the smiles on some of your faces today, as you can attest to the fact that that doesn't work. <laughs> In fact, often when we ignore conflict, it doesn't get better, it actually gets worse. We get flustered and, and start to think all kinds of, that other person, right? There's all kinds of things happening in my mind, in their mind, and the situation often bubbles over to the point where it didn't even have to if we would have addressed it initially. But the second reason, the first reason it doesn't work, but the second reason we can't approach conflict this way is because it's not obedient to God's word. Listen to what Paul says. Paul is challenging these believers to have the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind. That doesn't happen by just ignoring problems. That doesn't happen by just la da 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 everything's fine, everything's good. No, no, that happens by pursuing intentionally these relationships, pursuing what does it mean to make Jesus central, to, to have the same spirit together. We have to work through conflict, not avoid it. And so biblically, ignoring conflict, avoiding conflict, just hoping to survive and nobody gets hurt, that's, that's not the approach. And maybe like me, that's your default. Maybe if you were honest today, you would look at some relationships in your life that are hurting and, and have the courage to acknowledge that, that the part you've played in making those conflicts worse. Why? Because you've, avoid, you, you've convinced yourself that that's the best way, that, that's, that's the right way to respond. And today, maybe with some humility, you can admit, yeah, it's probably not the healthy way to deal with conflict. But, but second is this, and it's, again, overly simplistic uh, example, but uh, an equally fitting example. Uh, what do we want to do? If this response right here represents that we want to avoid conflict, this right here represents that we want to win. <laughs> we, this is the total opposite. If over here we're coming into conflict just to get in and get out and nobody gets hurt, this extreme right here is, oh, we're going to conflict, but we're going to conflict because I want to win. <laughs> Can we be honest today? Everybody likes to win. I, I pretend like I'm not that competitive and truly at some things I'm really not, but even I like to win. 
In fact, I am, I am a Patriots fan, and it's been, it's been really hard the last couple of years because we've lost, and I didn't know what losing felt like. It stinks. I understand those of you so much better now on how losing stinks. Nobody wants to be a loser, right? We want to win. And so the problem is in, in conflict with other people, whether we realize it or not, we don't enter into the conflict to try to, to care about the relationship, to try to grow. We enter into the conflict. We want to win. I'm going to be right. I'm going to win this thing. And that's a destructive way, a destructive way to enter into conflict. I've been in, the, I, I've been in some ridiculous arguments with my kids around the table sometimes. And 20 minutes later, I realized, why am I even arguing about this? Because I want to win. I'm your dad. I'm right. Right? That's, we do this all the time. And it's, it's destroying our relationships. I found this, uh, I thought this was really interesting. It's seven ways to turn a disagreement into a feud. So, so seven ways to turn a conflict into a war. I thought this is what's well, supposed to be humorous, but maybe it'll be hit a little close to home for some of us. So number one, how to turn a disagreement into a feud. Be sure to develop and maintain a healthy fear of conflict, letting your own feelings build up so you're explosive in your frame of mind. That sounds like a good way. Number two, uh, if you must state your concerns, be as vague and general as possible. Then the other person cannot do anything practical to change the situation. This is kind of the seven do nots, isn't it? Number three, assume, man, that's a great word, isn't it? Assume that you know all the facts and you are totally right. The use of a clinching Bible verse is always helpful. Oh, Jesus, help us. Number four, with a touch of defiance. Announce your willingness to talk with anyone who wishes to discuss the problem, but don't take steps to initiate such conversations. Number four, latch tenaciously onto whatever evidence you can find that shows the other person is just merely jealous of you. Number six, judge the motivation of the other party on any previous experience that showed failure or unkindness. Keep track of angry words. Man, some of us could see ourselves here, right, can't we? Number seven, if the discussion should, alas, become serious, view the issue as a win or loss struggle. Avoid possible solutions and go for total victory and unconditional surrender. These are seven ways to ensure that your conflict will turn into a war, right? And maybe, maybe it hurts a little bit to see yourselves there. Listen, I really think the Apostle Paul was talking to people like us, people like this. People in the face of conflict who, who kind of resort to one extreme or the other. I don't know where you see yourself today and, and maybe a balance of both, right? But I really think the Apostle Paul was talking to people like us. And so, so what do we do? That's what it's, it's great to acknowledge the, ten, acknowledge the problem, maybe laugh a little bit about it. But what do we do? I, I mean, Jesus, Paul points us to Jesus. Jesus didn't try to win, did he? In fact, if you look at the religious leaders and the disciples, their biggest struggle with Jesus is that the things that he were doing, that his plan didn't seem like winning to them. It seemed like losing. Wait, 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 you're going to suffer and die on a cross? That's not winning. That's losing. Paul points to Jesus and Jesus having all the power and all the authority he had it all. He could have won. But that's not his posture, was it? That's not what he came to do ultimately, at least not win in the ways that we thought. He laid it down. 
He put the needs of others and ultimately our needs before his own. And he laid down his life on a cross. So today, I have this. I think this is really good. Here's really the problem. In a relationship, if one person loses, the relationship loses. And if, like me, sometimes you can get a little too fixated on winning, the truth is when one person wins in a relationship, nobody really wins. And there's enough wisdom in the room today to understand that reality. So what do we do? Today, maybe you can easily identify conflict in your relationships. You can easily identify people in your life that drive you crazy, people in your life that are hurting, people in your life that have hurt you. That's not hard to do, right? Maybe, like me, you feel like you're on conflict overload. So what do we do? What do we do? It's so simple, but it's right here in Philippians Chapter 2, look again with me at verse 5 at what Paul says. In your relationships with one another, what does it say? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It really does begin with something that simple. Godly relationships, the key to the healthy relationships that you're desiring in your life really is Christ-like mindset. This shouldn't be surprising coming from Paul. Paul's the guy that talks often about our minds. When he's writing to the church in Rome, he talks to them about being transformed. How? By the renewing of their mind. Paul speaks often about the importance of our minds, our mindsets, how we think. And so it shouldn't shock or surprise us that the first step we have to take in navigating conflict and having healthy relationships It doesn't begin with all the actions out here. Those are important. Those matter. But it starts right here with a mindset. Mindset that reflects the mindset of Christ. Why? Because our mindset determines our actions, doesn't it? We can't focus on the outside in. We have to start in with a mindset of Christ. A mindset that pauses our thoughts and feelings long enough to consider the thoughts and feelings of others that is willing to put me, 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 me on hold. Doesn't mean that I don't matter. Doesn't mean that I don't love myself and care about myself and my needs. But it means the mindset of Christ pauses all of that for a minute to consider the needs of others and even put their needs before my own. That's a radical way to live. That's not a way that we see demonstrated in the world around us. But Jesus didn't call us to live like the rest of the world. And he demonstrated this mindset, a mindset that I believe changes our relationship. It is the catalyst for God to do the work in your relationships that you want him to do, a mindset of Christ. Listen, it's not not how can I win, that's not the question. How can I win this battle? How can I win this conflict? How can I prove my point? That's not the question. The question is, How can I love? How can I love? Let me share with you today what is possible. It's really only possible with the Lord's help. And so we come into this series acknowledging, look, I'm I'm grateful for professionals. I'm grateful for for wisdom that that God gives men and women and counselors and resources. But I'm not a counselor. But I want to share with you today what is possible according to God's word only through his strength. And it's his mindset. Listen, my default won't work. What's my default? Avoid, 
run the other way, pray it gets better, don't address it, right? That doesn't work. My default won't work. It's going to lead to frustration and chaos and, yes, even more conflict. Uh, on the screen today, I have the bottom line. The, the challenge for us is to see every conflict as an opportunity to deepen your love for one another. See every conflict today in your life. And look, there's plenty, I'm sure of it. There's plenty of conflicts represented in your relationships today already. If there's not, hang on for a couple days because they might be headed your way. Right? Conflict is inevitable. We see it everywhere. We experience it with the people you love. But I want to challenge you to first change your mindset when that conflict comes. Don't run. Don't hide. Don't put on the hard hat and just try to get through. Certainly don't strap on the helmet and try to win instead. See that conflict as an opportunity. What? As an opportunity for your love for one another to deepen. There's a really simple prayer that, that I'm, I, I'm praying as I'm concluding this message and thinking about us. And it's simply this, Lord, deepen my love for those in my life. Think about that, your relationships. Maybe we're talking about your family. Maybe we're talking about friends. Maybe we're talking about coworkers. Maybe we're, I don't know who we're talking about in your life, but what would that prayer look like in your life as we journey through this series? Lord, deepen my love. I'm not saying you don't love them already, but what would it mean to pray, Lord, deepen my love? That when these conflicts come, instead of trying to win, instead of just trying to survive, Lord, that, that I would see it as an opportunity for you to deepen my love for that person, that I would pause my thoughts and feelings for a minute, humble myself, allow their needs to be more important than my needs, what would it look like for us together to pray, Lord, deepen my love for those in my life. The band's coming and they're gonna help us in just a minute. We're gonna pray and we're gonna invite uh, the Holy Spirit to speak. I believe he's speaking uh, anytime we talk about relationships. God's speaking to us. There's, there's things that we're thinking about. There's things that we can easily identify in our lives. And this morning, I wanna invite you, I wanna invite you to experience that prayer, the fruit of that prayer. Lord, deepen my love. What will happen this week in those relationships in simple opportunities? Maybe they could lead to conflict, but instead you're gonna pray, Lord, deepen my love. Give me a Christ-like mindset. Christ had the power and the ability to be right and to win, but he didn't choose. Instead, he humbled himself. Lord, humble me, humble me in my relationships. Help me to deepen my love, deepen my love for those. I'm gonna invite you right now. Would you just bow your heads right where you are? I wanna pray for you because I know in a service like this, in a room like this, there are relationships that are hurting. There is real hurt represented here and I'm not trying to sweep that under the rug. I'm not trying to tell you today to just get over it. That matters. It matters to God. It matters to me. It matters to our church. But today, as you think about the relationships in your life that matter the most, would you just join me in that very simple prayer? Lord, deepen my love. Lord, increase my love. Increase my compassion for the people that you've entrusted to me. Those people that we're praying for today, some of them you didn't choose. God's given them to you. He's entrusted you with them. 
Lord, deepen my love, deepen my compassion. Lord, I'm praying today for my brothers and sisters and some of us, Lord, I'm praying today for those in our lives we don't understand. And Lord, we may not ever totally understand their perspective. I'm praying today, Lord, for those that don't understand us. And maybe they, they won't ever totally understand us. Even there, God, I'm praying, Lord, deepen our love. Teach us humility. Teach us instead of grabbing so tightly to everything in our lives and, and living a me, 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 me first life, instead of being so afraid of being left behind, teach us what it is to serve. Teach us what it is to be willing to lay down our pride, our need to be right. Teach us, Lord, deepen our love. I pray for these today. You know their needs. You know their hearts. You know the places where they most need your grace, Lord. Give them your grace. And as we journey ahead in these weeks to come, Lord, I pray you would do a new thing in our relationships. Transform us. Begin with us, oh Lord, and do a new work in us and through us and the people that we love. We love you now and we thank you for this time that we can call out to you, this time we can spend in worship calling upon your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, let's stand now and sing together. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.